and reading from verse 10. Could somebody... Oh, you know what? I've just lost my glass and screw. So I've got another pair of briefcase. Somebody can go get them for me. No, no. I've got another pair of briefcase. What's this? Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, could I have a copy of that? Of that ladder? Just don't lose a screw. Thank you. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That you might have it more abundantly. Now, <clears throat> God wants us to have abundant life. And as we learned last uh, yesterday, the word abundance in the Strong's concordance is perisos, which means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, extraordinary, above the ordinary, and more than sufficient. That's what Jesus died to give us. Lift your right hand and say, it's mine. It's paid for, not by silver and gold, but by the life of God. Say this, God wants me to have this more than he cares for his own life. And we pussyfooting around and not prepared to take it with our faith. Hello. Unfortunately, people don't know how to climb the ladder that leads to this abundant life. And uh, when I look around me and I see so many Christians struggling in many areas of life. Now, prosperity is one part of abundance. But abundance, family, is to have a happy home life. To have harmony in the home. To have all our needs met mentally. Physically, socially, spiritually, to grow spiritually, to mature in the things of God, to grow in our ministry, to grow in our career, to become more effective in God's kingdom. Amen? To become more effective in building the church of Jesus, the new temple. Remember, only those involved in the construction of the temple need the tools and need the resources for the building program. Hello. God's not going to prosper lazy Christians sitting on the sideline watching. Hello. Amen. God has a plan for your life, and if you follow that plan, you will be effective in God's kingdom and prosper. God's plan is the plan that leads to abundance. It's called the ladder of abundance. Hallelujah. Amen. So many Christians, unfortunately, family, although all this belongs to us, it's our legal inheritance. Unfortunately, the reality is that many are not enjoying what is rightfully theirs, and we are running around like a chicken without a head on, trying to find our own way in the dark. Meantime, there's a ladder shining, and the Holy Ghost is the one that wants to take you by the hand and take you step by step up that ladder. Amen. Now, if you'll ever look at that diagram the Holy Ghost gave me just a few days ago, you'll see the left-hand pole of the ladder is the Word of God, 
and the right-hand pole of the ladder is the Holy Spirit. And the left-hand pole, uh, you have to have a left pole and a right pole for a ladder, otherwise just putting steps up there in midair is not going to hold you. You're going to fall down. Amen? And uh, so, to have, if you don't have one of those, the deacons can give you one, just, or somebody can anyway, just put your hand up and somebody pass one out to you. Now, uh, any ladder that you buy has to have a left pole and a right pole, and it's got these steps going up, joining the two. Amen? And uh, the left-hand pole of your ladder has got to be the Word of God, because all things are done through the Word. We learned that yesterday. Amen? Without the Word, nothing is done. God spoke into existence. I'll walk you through that ladder, so just look at me. I'll call your attention to something when you need to look at it. Um, now, <clears throat> that without the left-hand pole, the Word of God, you don't have a ladder to climb up. We can't do anything in this world without seed. Everything runs by seed, even God himself. Matthew 12, uh, Jesus said, I think it's... Anyway, somewhere in Matthew 12, 42, around there somewhere. Where is it? 34. Jesus said, uh, if you read in the Living Bible, he said... Um, Unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, uh, it abides alone, and he's talking about himself, dying and producing much fruit. And so God gave one seed, his only son, to reap many sons, and uh, we are, the seed always produces after its kind. So we are the exact image and duplication of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what God always wanted. He made man his own image and likeness. And so we have all that. It's our inheritance, family. But we have to climb this ladder to enjoy that abundance. Amen. I'm not talking only about finance here. We must understand that. Although prosperity without finance is not prosperity, or abundance without money is not abundance either. We understand that. Okay. Now, let's go over to Jeremiah 29.11. Just a little bit of recapping. Jeremiah 29.11 God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. God has a plan for your life. And people are afraid to get involved in God's plan. They think God is going to do something to them or tell them to do something they don't like. They're afraid to do. They're a little scared of you know, going in too deep. But God warns, uh, God takes that fear out right here. He says, listen, I have a plan for you. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Relax. My plan will not hurt you, God said. And notice he said, it's a plan to prosper you. Now, you know, he didn't say, I know the plan you have for yourself, says the Lord. He said, I know the plan I have for you. Lift your hand up and say, God definitely has a plan for me. And there's no guarantee that my plan will prosper me. Is that true? Absolutely. All right, so God has a plan. Now, have a look at the next verse, and this will be our last part of the recap. Isaiah 48 and verse 17. Let's go there in your Bible. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Hallelujah. That's good news. Lift your hand up and say, God is my teacher. If I listen to him, 
I'm going to profit. Just like God's plan leads to abundance. It leads to profit. And that's not all. That's not all, he says. The next line, he says, in case you didn't catch it in the first line, he repeats himself with different words. Who leads you by the way you should go? Hallelujah. It can't be clearer than that. Say this. God has a plan. And if I follow that plan, I am going to succeed. All right. Now, the right hand pole is the Holy Ghost. Guiding you daily. We make decisions every day, family, and we are to listen to the Holy Spirit in making decisions. We make choices every day. If I had the liberty and the time, I can tell you choices in my life that I made that have led to one problem after another, and I had to make almost like a thousand right decisions to correct one wrong decision. I won't say more than this because something's subjudicated right here, but let me just say this. I chose the wrong architect, which caused me more problems than anything I've ever done in my life. I didn't think about it just because it was a good price. The good price doesn't mean it's sent from God. You have to know from God in your heart. Don't just assume things. I'm talking, what I'm sharing with you is birthed out of many problems in my life. Many challenges, many victories. I've had a few. I've been persecuted and, 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 and criticized by experts. But you know what? I'm still here because the Word of God hasn't changed. And I'm going to be here until the Word changes. Hallelujah. I'm working on the Word. Not the newspaper. Hallelujah. All right, now, <clears throat> let's move on. So we see then, you have a left pole and a right pole. And what are these steps going up? What are they? Say this, the steps in my ladder to abundance are God-guided choices in everyday life done in faith. just that simple, family. Now, it's that simple to understand, but it's not that simple to actually put into practice. It's going to take a while. It's like learning to walk. It's like learning to run. We have to allow for us to stumble and fall, but thank God the Holy Ghost is there to pick us up again and help us to carry on climbing up the ladder. I have fallen, but I'm still here, thank Jesus. I'm hanging on my ladder. And you know what? The Holy Ghost has got me by the scruff of the neck and he's holding me on the ladder. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let's move on from where we were. We're going to look at the right pole tomorrow and that I'm keeping for last because I want you to come back. And, <laughs> and let me tell you honestly, you can call me a liar if I'm going to tell you the truth right now. Tomorrow is the most important part and the most exciting part. Okay? All right. Now, but today is important. All right. 
Now, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we are going to look at a man by the name of Abraham, one of, I believe, one of the greatest examples in the Word of God as far as our subject is concerned. We're talking about how to appropriate the Word of God and how to work with the Word of God and how to work with the Holy Spirit who are our sources, our strength, our wisdom, our faith to climb this ladder that leads to abundance. And the higher we get up this ladder, the more of the abundant life we enjoy. Amen. Genesis 12, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living. Then the Lord told Abram, Leave your country, your relatives, your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. So right there, God told Abraham, He will have children. Isn't that so? I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. All right? So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. How old was he? How old was he? Said this, Abram was 75 when God told him he will have many children. Now I say this, 1 Peter 1, 23. The Word of God is in corruptible seeds. 1 Peter 2, 23. The, uh, the Word of God is in corruptible seed. Now what was that? What did we just hear? God told Abram, you will have many children. That is a seed that cannot fail. That is planted in his heart. He believed it. We'll see that now. And it cannot fail. All right, he's 75 years old. He's got the seed. Okay? The first thing we want to do, if we want to believe God for something, is find the seed. Isn't that what a farmer wants? I mean, if he goes, if he wants carrots, he's going to go looking for carrot seed. He might have to search in many different places, but eventually he'll find carrot seed. He's not going to plant flowers to get carrots. He knows he's going to search for carrot seed. And whatever you need in life, search the Word of God, the bag of seeds, find the seed that you need, and you begin to plant that in your heart. Amen? All right, because it, within itself, it has the ability to produce the fruit. Amen? That you require. Now, so Abraham has a seed. What seed is this? It's the seed that will produce many children. Say so this, I, me, sitting here today, my born-again experience was in that seed spoken that day. See, the seed of God is so incredible. It has so much life in it, so much depth in it. So much more in a divine seed than in a natural seed of any kind. That's why we can read this thing over and over and over. The Bible is a full revelation of God, whether you realize it or not, we're going to be studying it for eternity. 
Paul, James, John, Peter, they'll all be teaching in heaven. Hello. It's going to take us a while to understand it all. It's got many dimensions to it. Amen. All right, now. Uh, a lot of people are prospering today, and a lot need to, and we all want to. And many Bible characters are examples of the prosperity and abundance that God talks about. Like we heard over and over, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, a slave and a prisoner, becomes president and the owner of all the food resources of the world. And then you've got David, who is rich, and Solomon, who is rich, and Job, who is rich, and it goes on and on. And we heard testimonies last night from Jesse the Plantis. And we've heard from, from uh, 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 Jerry Savelle how that they are blessed, and they are blessed. But there's one thing that is common among all of these people that brings blessing and abundance that I don't think has been highlighted sufficiently. We've been hearing that we are blessed, and it's true, but the one thing I don't think that has been highlighted sufficiently, which is common among all of these people, is the fact that all of them are obedient to God to the point of being thankful. They won't do anything unless they know it's God's will. Jesse said he won't even take counsel from a man who's not born again. That needs to be highlighted. What's that mean? That means they are daily making decisions and choices that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's what leads to spiritual growth, mental growth, physical growth, financial growth, family growth, every area, ministerial growth. The Holy Ghost is taking you up this ladder of abundance. Amen? Standing on the Word as we go. Hallelujah. Abraham, God said, leave your country and go to another country and I'll bless you. Right there he said, okay, I'm going. You can see the man's heart. He's off to do what God says to do. I mean, he's obedient to God. He is what? Following God's plan. And what happened? He inevitably became rich. Why? Because God said, I will teach you to profit. Follow me. My plan will lead to abundance. That's what Abraham did. That's what Isaac did. That's what Jacob did. Job did that. God said, Job, pray for your people that are persecuting. He prays them and God prospers them and heals them. It's just doing what God says to do. Sometimes it seems so stupid, but you have to do it. God says, Jacob, lift up your eyes and look. He's, in a, he's sleeping and he has a vision. You see the lambs, the spotted and speckled, and the goats spotted and speckled. And he instructs him what to do. So he goes out and he cuts the branches up, puts them from the watering trough, and animals come out to drink. Now, who in their right mind would think by taking branches and cutting them, putting them in front of the water trough, that all the sheep are going to have little spots on them, like little fox terriers? Imagine Uncle Laban came out and said, what are you doing? He says, no, well, if I cut these branches, you know, little marks on them and put them here, then uh, when the sheep come to drink and they see this, and they mate right over there, they're going to have spotted, spotted offspring. You understand, Uncle Laban? Sure, that makes absolute sense to me. Sense. I understand that. The Bible says, lean not to your understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. And sometimes God's going to ask you to do something that goes against reason. Amen? And we ought to do what God says to do. 
follow the Spirit, even though it contradicts reason. Now, when you come to cross the street, you, you follow your common sense. Okay, praise God. Now, he was 75 years old. Now, folks, let's go to Genesis 15, verse 5. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Now, I say this. Abram had faith. The Bible says he believed what God said. He had faith to believe. All right. Let's say this. Hearing is planting a seed. Speaking the word is germinating the seed. What's that mean? That means when the seed starts to get life, it starts to grow. All right? So speaking the word is germinating the seed. Now say this, praising God for the word is causing the rain to accelerate the growth. Say that. Praising God for the word is the rain which causes acceleration in the growth. Amen. And that's how it comes. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel. It doesn't come overnight. Let it grow. Keep it in the heart. Let it grow. Matthew, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> all right, we are at uh, Genesis 15 and verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. All right, so he believed he had faith. But even then, even then, while he had faith, Isaac was not born. Isaac did not come. The man definitely had faith, but Isaac did not come. Now go to Genesis 17 and verse 1. <clears throat> Again from the New Living. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Verse 5. I'm changing your name. I will no longer be, you will no longer be, it will, <laughs> it will no longer be Abram. Now you'll be known as Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. All right, so we all know what the word Abraham means. It means what? Father of many nations. So, all right, so Abram's name means father of many nations. So we understand then, if he goes out and he meets someone, someone and the person says, Hi, ah, what's your name? And he says, My name is father of many nations. That's exactly what he was doing. He declared who he was, that's his name, and every time he said, he was saying, I am the father of many nations. Now, we understand that, we know that, but I just want to lay a foundation here for what we're going to do. Okay, so God changed his name. Notice, he was 99 years old. Isaac was not born because he just said, I'm changing your name because you're not going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham, which means father of many nations. A Isaac was not born, even though Abram was uh, a man who believed the promise. The Bible tells us he believed the promise of God. He had faith, and he did that for 75, 99, 24 years. Let's say Abram had faith for 24 years. Is that true? Say this, he had this seed in his heart. That seed, Isaac, was in his heart, in seed form. 
for 24 years. Is that true? See, he, God gave him Isaac when he was 75. He was walking around with Isaac in his spirit for 24 years. Okay? So, there was something lacking here. He never confessed, I am the father of many nations. He never released faith in that seed. He never released it. He had it, but didn't release it. Amen? See, I know people who believe 1 Peter 2, 24, by Jesus' stripes he were healed, but they die of sickness. Through 21 years, I have known some. You know people who believe the Bible, and yet they don't have what they see it says they have. Why? Because it's not just good enough to believe it. We have to say what we believe. We have to say what we believe. So God changed his name so that he would say it. Now, why did God change his name? We're going to just stay where you are. Don't move your Bible from there, but I'm going to show you uh, Mark 11, 23, a well-known scripture. You all know it. But just have a look at it for a moment up on the screens. And just meditate on this. Jesus said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, does that include us? Does it include unsaved people? Absolutely. Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and if the statement is wrong, keep your hand down. If the statement is right, put your hand up. Jesus said, you have what you believe. Is that right? Put your hand up if you believe it's right. Okay. Let's think about it. Jesus said this. Tell me if this is right. If it's right, put it in your hand. Jesus said, you have what you say. Is that right? Both are wrong. Both are wrong. If you just had what you say, we'd have a lot of problems in this planet right now. We'd have people falling over as they laugh. They laugh to death. I mean, you know, we'd have a lot of problems in this planet right now if you just had what you say. No. None of that works. Jesus said you have what you say if you believe what you say. Family, we have to start focusing on what we say. We have to think about our words. For us to have faith in our words, we have to believe in our integrity and speak wisely. And we have to develop that. We have to start controlling our words. Amen? Isn't that so? All right. So we have to have faith in our words and think about what we say. Because our words are creative force. Amen? If we believe what we say. Now, so God had to change Abram's name to Abraham to get him to confess, I am the father of many nations. Now go to Genesis 21. And verse 2. Now I'm going to the NIV translation. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age. Verse 5. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Okay. Now, how long did it take for Abraham's faith to work? To work. Because when he was 99, Isaac was not born. God changed his name. 
And when he has a hundred, Isaac's born. So how long take his faith to work? Huh? One year? Twelve months? Three months? Three months. There's a pregnancy in there somewhere. It took three months before Abraham was singing, Happy days are here again. <laughs> it's clear again. It took three months. Hello? <laughs> it had to be. So what changed? When God changed his name to Abraham and he started walking around saying, I am the father of many nations, that seed which he believed in germinated. See, faith was rising as he kept saying it to a point where it gave life to the seed. And then everything started working and Sarah fell pregnant, praise God. All right, so say this. I have to hear the word, believe the word, and say the word before I see the fruit. Now, <clears throat> uh, go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. You see, in uh, the first three months, when Abraham was declaring who he was, Abraham was not only confessing the word of God, I am the father of the nations, but he was praising God that he was the father of the nations. He was saying it and praising God for what? For the promise. Praising God for what? The seed. Amen. Uh, you know, when we believe God for healing, we're not to say, Father, I thank you for my healing. I praise you for my healing. We're to say, Father, I thank you for the word, which says, by his stripes I'm healed. Praise God for this seed. Because the word is true. You'll have much more faith if you do it that way. Released. Okay. Now, Romans 4.20 says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. So what? He had the promise. He had the promise. And then it says, uh, through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Say this, Abraham praised God. And that strengthened his faith. So what did he do? He went around saying, I am the father of many nations. Praise God, I'm the father of many nations. Thank you for the seed. Thank you for the promise. That cause, say this, praising God, brings the rain, the water, on the seed to accelerate its growth. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, share with you two testimonies. I have many that I can share, but I'd like to share with you two testimonies of how I took the three steps of Abraham in my life long before we got married or went into the ministry. 25 years ago. I have been a Christian for 30 years and I thank God that I got into Kenneth Agnes' teaching immediately I got saved. Um, I got his, uh, somebody gave me, for, uh, somebody got real-to-real -real tapes and gave me the name of Jesus, power of confession, uh, um, uh, confession brings possession, uh, right to antiquity with God. They ran it off for me from a real-to-real. -real. 
And I have studied Kenneth Hagin's teachings uh, all my life and still do listen to his tapes, wear them out. And uh, he teaches faith primarily. And uh, I, uh, I have really um, endeavored to apply those principles in my life as a baby Christian. And I have honestly proven them to work. And so I'm going to share with you two stories. And then I'm going to tell you something that will help you bring faith in perspective to understanding uh, decision-making. Because that can also be a problem if we're very confident in faith and we're making wrong decisions. Because I'll show you how that works in a minute, okay? Um, all right. In 1978, Bev and I uh, were courting. And uh, I was... Uh, Taking her out, I was a salesman selling insurance, selling um, property houses at the time. And for three or four months, I did not, uh, I did not um, work because uh, I was taking her out. I was too focused on on that. And so, you know, if you don't work as a salesman, and when when your whole uh, salary comes from 100% commission, you're going to have a problem after a while. So after four months of not working, my money ran out, and. Uh, and so I had no money, and she finally agreed to marry me. And uh, we set the date for two weeks' time to get engaged. And uh, so we went to go to a jeweler shop to go and get uh, uh, choose a ring. And uh, Bev's mother and stepdad had a friend who owned a jeweler shop in the center of Durban, in the town, city of Durban. And uh, so we went to see them. And they didn't have anything that she liked, and so she designed something. And uh, the jeweler said, okay, this is a custom-made ring. Therefore, you're going to have to pay cash for that. And uh, uh, when do you want it by? So I said, well, two weeks' time. He said, okay, can you pay cash and you pick it up in two weeks' time? And I didn't have money for petrol in my car. And I only had one place to get it, and that was from my job. You know, and she kept asking me, are you sure you can take care of me? And I would say to her, my God meets all my needs, according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So she told her mother, she says, Mom, I'm marrying this guy who's rolling in the money. <laughs> she came from a Bible school in America, didn't really teach faith. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she chose this ring, and then the... Uh, uh, in front of her parents, this man said to me, he said, okay, um, now, that's good. We'll make that for you. And, and, and he said, it's going to cost so much money. Is that okay? And, uh, you know, I didn't, want, I didn't want to let them know I couldn't buy her an engagement ring. You know, I'm asking her to marry her. I'm asking her to, you know, the parents to get married. And, yeah, I don't have enough money to buy an engagement ring. So I said, of course I've got the money to pay for that ring. <laughs> Two weeks' time will come, we'll pick it up, I'll pay cash for it. So we left, and I didn't say anything to Bev, she didn't know my, my challenge. But going home, I was thinking, my God, you know, my brain is telling me, you have made such a fool of yourself, because they're all going to find out you just don't have any money. And so I went home, and uh, I started doing some calculations. And I figured out I need to sell two large houses to pay for this ring. And I have to sell them now. 
But I can't wait three months for the commission to come due because that's normal. So the only way I could do that was to sell them on terms or suspensive sale, which means as they, they just have to have enough money to, to pay the commission for the state agents. Commission, that's all, to buy that way. The seller gets no money. The, the, the purchaser will move into the house and rent the house for five years. At the end of five years, then they try and find the cash to buy the house. If they don't, the seller takes the property back and evicts the purchaser. They start again. So no one sells their house that way because besides that, they need their money to go on to buy the next house. And uh, so in the 18 months that I had been selling properties up till that time, uh, out of 23 salesmen in seven branches of our company all over the city, I was the only salesman to sell a house that way. So I knew it could be done, but I knew it is very difficult. Okay. So I got on my knees and I wrote Mark 11, 23, Mark 11, 24. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. Let's put that up on the screen. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I wrote that in the card. I wrote John 16, 23. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask and you will receive that you join me before. So I wrote that on the card. On the other side of the card, I wrote, I believe I receive two houses sold on terms. I thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. I believe I receive it now, this date. I wrote the date and the time that I was praying. And I got on my knees. And I prayed. And I said, firstly, God, I repent for not working because the Bible says a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And then I said, Father, I thank you that I'm forgiven. 1 John 1 9, you confess your sin. Just to forgive you and cleanse you. And I said, Father, now, Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So I looked at my watch and I said, I'm asking you at this time, because there's time mentioned in Mark 11, 23. Mark 11, 24. It's time. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it. So I said, I'm praying when. Now, this is the time I receive it by faith. Father, I thank you for giving me these two houses on terms where the commission will be more than so much. And I believe you hear my prayer and I receive it right now. Thank you in Jesus' name. So, I wrote that down. I have my two sales done at this time. And then I got up off my knees and I said, Father, when I was down there praying, I received those two houses. Two minutes ago, they are sold. I thank you for it. And I walked away. The next day, I, uh, I said, Father, I thank you. When I prayed at this time, I received those two houses sold. They are mine. And so I went to the office and I told all the salesmen, I've sold two houses on terms. And they said, wow, wonderful, you know. Which ones are they? I said, that's a secret. They said, oh, really? You have to tell us because we have to take them off the books. So I said, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. They said, you are. And they walked straight into, <laughs> into 
to the manager's office. He says, Theo, he's up to his tricks again. He sold two houses. I was selling houses like hotcakes. So. Anyway, he says, Theo's up to his tricks again. They won't, he wouldn't tell us what houses he sold. So Ed Waller comes and he says, can I see you? I said, sure. Sit down. He says, I believe you sold two houses in terms. Theo, I said, that's right, Ed. I have. He said, now we have to take him off the books. Would you tell us which house they are? I said, no, Ed, at this time, it's not necessary for you to take him off the books. And uh, I'm not going to tell you which they are, but just trust me, it's done. He says, um, is this one of your faith things <laughs> again? Or is this really true? Or is this really true? I said, Ed, faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is true. Now, he was a believer, and I was trying to help him understand that, but he might have caught on eventually. So anyway, I, uh, I went for uh, 14 days. Now, I had to go, okay? So now, 12 days had gone by, and I'm confessing. Praise God, I've sold two houses in terms of confessing to all the salesmen, and they're running away from me by now, because every time I see somebody, I'm telling them. I have to say it. And then eventually... On the uh, Friday, we drove back into the, uh, into the parking lot, and I had Arthur Snow in the car next to me. And, uh, and I had organized him a job there, so I was trying to help him train him. And uh, he says, oh, so you're getting engaged on Saturday. I said, yes, yes. He says, so you're buying a ring? When do you, when do you get the ring? I said, Saturday. He says, do you, do you have the money for the ring? And the devil shot the biggest arrow of doubt into my brain that I have ever imagined. And uh, right then, he was trying to steal my confession of faith. And so I said, yes, I have the money. And I began to laugh. And he said, what are you laughing at? And I said, I'm sure, I'm sure glad I'm not God. He says, why is that? I said, because I'm holding fast to my confession of faith, I have sold two houses on terms to pay for this ring. And I have the money. And on Saturday, I'm going in there to get the ring. I'm not changing my confession of faith. And I'm sure glad I'm not God, because that's not my problem. My problem is to hold fast to my confession of faith. The rest is his. And so, the next day... Uh, Oh, that was Thursday. Now, Friday, I'm sitting in the office. In the morning, I have to pay the ring tomorrow. I don't have the money yet. I have to pay the ring tomorrow. Now, why does God work to the last minute? I don't know. That's one of the questions I'm going to ask him when I see him. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm sitting in the office, and uh, the lady at the reception shouts out, There's a man here who wants to buy a house, but he's got no money. Now, he must have tried every state agency on the street, and there were a few. There were a few. Uh, and, and they all said, no, you can't buy a house, you've got no money. He comes in there, and she shouts that out. Can somebody come and serve this man? He wants to buy a house, he's got no money. And this goes on, no one pays attention. So the Holy Spirit gets my attention. He says, if somebody wants to buy a house on terms, would he do it if he had money? I said, no. If he had money to buy a house normally, if he didn't have money, he'd want to buy it on terms. I said, that's my man. I ran out there. I didn't want anybody else to get there first. I just ran out there, man. 
I said, do you want to buy a house on terms? You got no money? He says, yes, I want to buy a house. I got no money. I said, just the man I'm looking for. Now, can you imagine everywhere he's been told, no, we can't help you. And I'm so excited to see him. He thinks, hey, wait a minute. But I took him around. <laughs> took him around. And the third house I went into, he says, yes, I want this house. And there's a lady sitting in there who signed, who was sitting in there doing nothing. I showed, it, showed him to the house, went back. And uh, he signed the offer to purchase. I went in, showed her the offer. It was more than what she actually wanted. And I did that because I wanted her to understand this is a good thing. You know, compensate a little bit. And because uh, most people come in under. And uh, I showed her this. I said, look, you know, this is what it means. You're not going to get any cash in five years. But he'll rent the house. So she sat and looked at this. Seemed like for eternity, probably around two or three minutes. And then she said, didn't look up. Now I'm standing next to her. She's sitting down. She looks up. She says, now, where do I sign? I said, right, yeah. Let's check. And I'll come back and I'll get it for tomorrow morning. I want it tomorrow morning because I'm going to buy the ring. She said, fine. We'll send it right away. Now I'm halfway. So that afternoon, Friday afternoon, I'm sitting in the office and I hear her call again. This never happens, believe me, never. There's somebody who wants to buy a house who's got no money. I didn't wait. I ran out there, almost threw my arms around him. And, uh, and I took him out, and would you believe it, the same thing happened. Third house, there's a person sitting who bought, who sold their house to this man. I put the check in. The next day, <clears throat> I came and got the cash. Both checks were good. Got the cash. <clears throat> Picked up Bev. She says, have you got the money for the ring? I said, what do you think? Of course I had. <laughs> we went in, and uh, I had enough money to pay for the ring, plus 10% tithe and 10% offering, and enough to take her for a great uh, engagement dinner in the finest hotel that night. And when I drove home, I had five cents in my pocket. <laughs> now, let me tell you another story. In 1976, I was a salesman at Bear Brothers in their main West Street branch, and they had 17 salesmen. One Saturday morning, I was busy serving customers, and Sam Stark arrived, pulled up on the street right outside the, uh, the showroom floor. And so uh, he gets out his car with his surfboard on the roof, and he's got his baggers on, his wet sand everywhere. So... Uh, I walk out to him, and he says, Theo, you've got to come now. The surf is unbelievable. Grab your board and leave now. Just walk out of here. I said, no way. I'm working here. I can't just leave. He says, you've got to. You've never seen surf in this, like this in life. You'll never get another chance. And now I'm really upset. He, I said, no, I can't. So he jumps in his car, and off he goes back to the beach. And I watched him go down. I stood in the pavement and watched him go down. I said, God. All of a sudden, I don't like this job anymore. I have to get a job where I don't have to work Saturdays. So I went home, and I'm going to give you exactly, and you guys can type this out and stick it up on the screen. I'm going to give you exactly what I did. I did the same thing that I did with the other card. I wrote this on the card, exactly. Okay? I wrote, number one, I want a five-day week, because that was one of the most important issues. Yeah. 
Number two, I want a repping job because I want to travel around. So I want to stay in one place. Number three, I want to be the manager. Number four, I want a basic salary of 600 rand a month. And number five, I want commission of 800 rand a month. I was only earning uh, 1,000 rand a month, and that would put me on 1,400. Now, at that time, you could buy, in 1976, you could buy a dollar for one, you could buy a dollar for, you could buy, you could probably buy two dollars for rent, but at least you'd buy $1.30 for rent. This is back in 1976, so this is not bad salary. So now that would put me on 400 rand a month more than I was earning, plus I wanted number six, a company car, and it had to be a yellow Datsun 1600. And then number seven, I wanted to start work on the 1st of January of that year because it's now the beginning of November and a lot of people buy furniture in November, December, and that's good commission. Your commission goes up two, three times. And so I'd make a lot of money there and I had a lot of clients, so I wanted to help them. So I wrote these seven things on that card. It had to be like that. I took Mark 11, 23, 24, John 16, wrote that on the other side. I got down and prayed, and I got up, and I said, Father, at that time I received it. Praise God, it's mine. I went to work. I got a hold of one of the 17 salesmen, and I said, hey, guess what? I'm leaving. And that's big news. Why? Why are you leaving? Because I have a new job. Tell me about it. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I had to confess it. So I said, okay. And I went through these things. I said, it's five-day week. I told him how much money. I told him I thought the first of January. Yellow death and 1600. He says, that's amazing. He says, are there any other vacancies there? <laughs> I said, no. He says, where is this place? I said, that's a secret. <laughs> so, uh, you know, after declaring that, my faith is so much stronger. The next day, I said it again, told someone else. Every day after 17 days, I'd done everybody, and, and now I had to talk to somebody else. I didn't have any talk to, so I started again. I said, did I tell you about my new job? He said, yes. I said, let me tell you one more time. I had to confess it. At the end of the month, the beginning of December, the devil shot an arrow of doubt in my mind. He said, <clears throat> he said, if you've got this job, why don't you resign? Prove you've got it. Resign. Otherwise, you're not in faith. If you really believed you had this job, you would resign. So you're not really in faith. Now, what do you do when the devil comes? How do you resist him? You go back to work right away. That's the only way you can deal with him. So I got my card out, carried it in my pocket. I said, Jesus, you said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you see you shall have them. I prayed, I believe I received it. That's mine. I said, Mr. Devil, faith doesn't come by resigning. It comes by the word. Faith doesn't come by jumping on glasses to prove you're healed. It comes by the Word. I said, Mr. Devil, I have it because God says it. I don't have to prove nothing to you. Now, the end of the month came. We don't work on New Year's Day. How many of you work on New Year's Day? 
Then the month of December came, we had two days off. I kept confessing this all the time. We had two days off. And so I went on New Year's Day. I took my surfboard. I went down the beach. I went to surf. I came back at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I sat on my feet, surfboard on my car. This is my my bag is on. I put a t-shirt on so it was wet down here. Sitting on my towel in my car. And that's how I arrived home. I get home and on my door is a note that says, please find Mike worst as urgent. So I find Mike. I said, hi. It's there. Now, I last time I heard of him was about three years ago. He belongs to another church. And um, I had met him once or twice. So I find Mike. I said, Mike, this is there. You want to speak to me? He says, yes. He says, could you come see me for a job interview? That's at 3 o'clock on 1st of January. I said, on New Year's Day, I said, Mike. Um, he says, come right now. I said, Mike, I'm, I'm in my baggies. You know, describe what I look like. I said, I'm not in good condition now for an interview. I'm not done looking for it. He says, no, 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 don't worry about that. Come as you are right now. I said, okay. I don't even have shoes on. I go in my car, drive over there. So um, he shows me to this factory, selling precast concrete products to the building industry and the civil engineers. And he says, um, do you think you can sell this? I said, absolutely, I can sell this. I can sell anything. I'm a salesman. I'm a taught to sell. I've done sales courses. I can sell anything. He says, okay. He says, how much would you want? What would you want for a salary? Do you have an idea? I said, yeah, I have an idea. And I went through these things, told him exactly what I wanted. I knew it right here. Seven things, told him exactly. Salary, five-day week, manager, my own car, you're adapted, 1600 so much basic, so much commission. He just looked at me. Couldn't believe it. Then he says, we have never paid anybody even close to that kind of money. So I said, Mike, I said, this is a small business. And I said, a small business like this can't afford the luxury of an inexperienced salesman competing with the big boys out there in the field. I said, you have got to have the best for this business. And that's me. I said, because God is with me, he answers my prayer, and I will do ten times more business than any other salesman you ever had. So he says, when do you want to start? I said, right now. Today. He said, good, it's yours, the job's yours, start right now. So I'm driving home, I'm thinking, okay, so I've got my new job. What day is it? This is New Year's Day. What date is it? It's the 1st of January. But I wrote on my card, start on the 1st of January. And he agreed to everything. Now, think about this. Oh, let me tell you something else first. So I started there, and then I went... I started work, and I went to the Datsun dealer, the Nissan dealer. There were Datsuns in those days. So I'm going to get my 1,600-year-old Datsun. And uh, the salesman said, we're out of 1,600 Datsuns. We don't have them when we stopped manufacturing six months ago. There's none, none anywhere. We just don't make those cars anymore. And then he said, but we do make 1,800 Datsuns. And we have got a yellow one that's a little bit more money. 
It's got a few extra, you know, bells and whistles. Do you want to look at it? I said, sure, let's have a look at it. So um, I went and looked at it. I said, wow, this is awesome, yes. So I phoned Mike. I said, Mike, I said, I've got some sad news. I said, they don't have 1,600 yellow daffodils anymore. Oh, that's so sad. He says, Mike, I said, but Mike, you know what? I said, they do have 1,800s. They're a little more expensive. So he says, how much? I told him, he said, take it. Now, God can't get you what you have, what you pray for. He'll get you something better. And uh, now, listen to this. Now, listen to this. I believe God. I had the seed in my heart. I confessed it, and I praised God for it. So I wore that seed. And in doing that, what God did was he arranged Mike Wurstes to come into the office. Firstly, he arranged for the previous salesman, whose name was John Phillips, who resigned the day before New Year's Day, the last day of December, he resigned, John Phillips, and joined Grinnecker Construction to do the same job in competition to this company he was working with. And so he resigned the day before New Year's Day. And so Mike Wurstes and Mike Taylor, who wasn't a Christian, had to come into the office and find somebody on New Year's Day to take that place, to replace my, uh, John Phillips. Now, so what God did was, he made that salesman resign on the last day. He made Mike Wurstes and Mike Taylor come into the office on New Year's Day and phone me on New Year's Day to come to get my job on New Year's Day, even though New Year's Day is a holiday for everybody, because I said I was going to start on the 1st of June. They still do not know that they were being influenced by the Holy Spirit. They do not have a clue that God ordered their steps because I was leaving them. Now think of this. The person with the ring. The story about the ring. I was confessing that I'd have the money, that I have the money, I have sold two housing terms, and that I would go and pay cash for the ring on Saturday. God organized two different people to come to our office on Friday. They didn't even know they came because they were divine inspired to come. On Friday, they arrived there. God organized that not one of the salesmen would be finding that interesting at all. They didn't get there before I did. God arranged that the two houses that person liked, that the owner would be at home. And that very seldom happens. They're mostly out working. And we have keys. But those two people were at home right there and sitting in the living room, the lounge, when I walked through those homes with those clients. And he arranged them to be there to sign that document. And he arranged two people that had enough money for the commission. Now, folks, God organizes people's lives for you without even realizing it if you'll believe God. But I said all that to say this. We, if we have faith and we know how to use it, it's wonderful, but it can also be very dangerous. If you believe in God to go north, that's fine in a situation like that. But when you start believing God to do something and put you in a place where you're not sure it's God's will, you could be believing God to go north. And meantime, God wants you to go south because north is a disaster. And you can believe yourself right into the disaster and God will grant you your faith. That's why it's so important to put the seed in your heart and believe God for direction the same way 
Abraham believed God for Isaac. You say, can you prove this from the Bible? I can, absolutely. Let me take the last few minutes here and show that to you. I'd like you to open your Bible to James chapter 1. As I close. And this, <clears throat> I said all that to say this. Are you saying, Pastor Theo, that God will give you something that you believe for even though it's not his best for your life? Yes. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 to 9, Israel asked God for a king. And uh, God said to Samuel the prophet, uh, it wasn't God's will for them to have a king. God wanted Samuel the prophet to, uh, to govern the nation. But they asked for a king and God told Samuel, give him a king. Even though it's not my will, they can have a king. And you know that brought a lot of problems to Israel. So God gave them what they wanted, even though it wasn't his will. And uh, James 1, 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, underline that, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Now, what does it mean to bridle your tongue? It means to be very careful about what you speak and say. Amen? We have to be controlled in what we say. Now, if we talk about our problems, if we talk about our problems, folks, your tongue will deceive your heart to believe that that problem is true. And your heart being soil that doesn't discern your heart being soil will produce that seed that your tongue plants and you will see that problem increase. More of the same. Because your tongue deceives your heart to believe a lie. Lift your hand up and say this. If I speak about the mountain, it will grow. If I speak to the mountain, it will grow, it'll go. So Jesus, the Bible says your tongue can deceive your heart to believe a lie. See, you can talk about what you want to do. Now listen very carefully. You can talk about what you desire to do until such time as your heart believes that's the will of God and it may not be the will of God at all. That's what Balaam the prophet did. That's exactly what Balaam the prophet did. He spoke about this. He kept wearing God out with this, you know, uh, this temptation, this uh, bribe from the king. And it cost him his life. And what did Jesus say in Mark 11, 23? It says, Whosoever shall stand for nothing, be removed and cast in the sea, and doubt not his heart, but shall believe that those things itself shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Whosoever shall say will have what? Whatever he says. That's why, folks, we have to guard our words. We are not to speak things that are not wise and true. Amen? Because your heart will be deceived to believe the wrong you say is the truth. Amen? So, um, for God is able to guide us. Now, we have to we have to understand two things here. One, if we focus our attention on the problem and talk about it, our heart will bring the problem to pass thinking it's true. Number two, 
for God to be able to guide us by His Spirit, we have to program our heart with the Scripture that promises guidance. Program our heart with the Scripture that promises guidance. Write this down. Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Mark 4, 28. All by itself the soil produces grain. All by itself the soil produces the grain, Jesus said. The soil produces the grain. Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 23. In the new international, the NRV. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, God your heart. And James says, your tongue can deceive your heart. So there's many scriptures that are warning us about watching our words because we can disturb the seed in the ground. You don't just let people walk on your carrots. You disturb the seed. There's many things we say that disturb the seed in our heart. And stop it from producing. It's incorruptible seed, but it's not going to produce a hundredfold unless the soil is right. It will always produce a hundredfold in the right soil. Amen? So we have to watch our heart and watch our words. Now, <clears throat> so James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Underline that. We've got to ask with the wisdom of we've got to ask for the wisdom of God using the scripture. Using the scripture. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, he must ask for it. God gives it liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now what does the word reproach mean? Strong's 3, 6, 7, 9. It refers to Im immature youngsters making fun of someone and teasing them because they ask a question they should have the answer to. God knows you don't have the answer. You ask him for it and God says, I will not tease you. I will not tease you. You can ask for anything. It doesn't matter how big, how small. I will not tease you. And Strong says it's immature youngsters that tease people, and that's what's happened to our years at school. Somebody puts up their hand, and everybody else goes, ah, doesn't know that. Kids go through that stuff. God says, I will not tease you. The Strong says, an immature child will tease somebody for asking a question. God says, I won't tease you. Now, you know, uh, thinking about that, the only people that tease people are people who are insecure. Confident people give compliments. There's no need to tease people. God says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out your mouth. Only that which is edifying, comforting to build each other up. God doesn't tease. The devil does. God doesn't pull people down. The devil does. We are not to mock people. God doesn't mock. He doesn't tease. God says, build each other up. Up. And when you teach somebody, if you have to teach them, the Bible says, teach them in love. They'll receive the truth. Amen. This is just simple things, but it's the Word of God. And Jesus said, for every idle word that men may speak, they'll have to give an account of it. 
What's idle mean? Lazy, non-productive. So every word you say that's not producing, that's not meaningful, hasn't got a purpose, you're going to have to give an account of. Now, I didn't say that. Our judge said that. Now, I fear and tremble at having to stand before Jesus and give an account of all the garbage I've said in my life. So the older I get, the more mature I get in the Lord, and I hope that's happening to me. I uh, am climbing the ladder, praise God, I'm hanging on and going up. I, uh, I've learned to speak less. The less I speak, the less I have to repent of. And I try and encourage where I can. And I'm very proud of our sons and daughters. I'm very proud. I don't want to pull them down. I want them to excel. I want them to pass me. And that will be my greatest joy. Lift your hand and say, I'm not to mock. I'm not to tease. That's not God's character. That's not love. I am to encourage, to edify, compliment, and build people up. And I'm confident in myself, in the Lord. Therefore, I gladly encourage others. Amen. See, a person who's insecure will never do that. He'll always pull others down because he feels insecure or she doesn't feel happy about themselves. All right, now, look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and several all his ways. Lift your hand up and say this. When I trust God for direction... I have to take the seed that promised me, that promises me God's answer, that promises me wisdom, and believe it, confess it, praise God for it, until it comes. And when it comes, I have to discern between that idea and other ideas to know which is from God. And therefore, to know which is from God, I have to be here tomorrow. Enjoy your lunch, family. God bless you.